0: 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word.
1: today, Master,
2: Savior,
0: I have come seek you.
2: Come and say with me, missions may. Missions May. Pete's already said the fact that every May we like to highlight the missions that we support. So you can see what we partner with and how your money and how your support and your investment into this goes such a long way. And we've been doing this now for probably six, seven years every May that we've been really looking at this and just highlighting missions because missions is the heart of God. If you want to know what God's heart is, it's about touching other people. It's about reaching out and touching other people. And you know what I love so much about missions? Here's what I love almost the most about missions, and that is this. It's a reach beyond our walls. Come on, it's a reach beyond our church. That as we invest into people and we touch people, it's a reach outside of what we perhaps have the power and ability to do, but we can empower or we can help those who have been empowered... And we can support them and bring to them. So what an opportunity it is for us, not just to come and worship. How many enjoys coming to worship on Sundays and Wednesdays? And that's a privilege, isn't it, to be able to come. But we get the opportunity to be able to bless other people outside of church on a Wednesday and Sunday. And we get an opportunity to really be able to build the kingdom of God together. How many knows that God's not just about building His church, He's about building His kingdom? He builds his kingdom through the local church and the power of the church. But it's not just about how big our church is. It's about how many people know Christ and how many people are going to his kingdom. And here's the statement. If you want to know our statement and our view on what missions is, here it is. Are you ready? Missions is not what we do. Missions is who we are. It's what we are. Because it's so easy just to give something and just leave it alone. But we would never want our given just to be that which is blind, that we don't know where it's going, we don't know the impact, we don't know the effect, because missions isn't just what we do, missions is our heart and what we want to do, what we want to be a part of. And that's why about four years ago, we drastically, really two years ago, we really revamped a lot of the way we did missions because we wanted to be instrumental. We wanted to be a partner with people. And it's hard to partner people when we can't reach them and touch them. And that's why locally you're going to see we support some ministries because we love the fact that we can help them locally and we can just really respond and be there with them. And as Pete said and others have said, each Wednesday of this month, along with some videos that you're going to see on Sundays, we're going to really have the opportunity to meet and hear the hearts of those that we support. And and here's how it works. Here's how our missions work. Every year towards the end of the year, we look at what we're going to make a commitment to for a year. As a church, we make a commitment from January till December. And we just believe that when we're going to make that commitment, we're going to be faithful to that commitment. So we don't take on too much that we cannot be faithful to that, but we also don't want to take on too little that we're not really honoring God with that. And we look at what's going to fit us. You've got to understand we've got opportunities almost daily that come by that you can be a part of this, that you can do this. Someone's feeding someone somewhere. Come on, someone's touching someone somewhere. Uh, and, And we thank God for that and we pray for people like that, but we can't, God hasn't called us to save the world as a church personally, but he's called us to make an impact and to be good stewards with what we do have. So we've made a decision that we're going to be good stewards. As a church, we tithe and we tithe 15% at least every month. We tithe 15% into missions, into helping other people because if we're going to ask you to tithe, we believe as a church that we should tithe too. And we're looking still for other opportunities. So if you know any opportunities or whatever... Hey, bring them in so we can look at them so we can get all the facts and we can look to be that support, perhaps even beginning in January. And one thing that we're really excited and I've got to talk about missions, too, is we're looking forward in the near future that we're going to start a lot of local missions out of our church, too. We're looking to add to our calendar once a month that we do a church wide outreach that everyone can be involved that everyone can be a part. And it's just going to be simple things, but yet so life-changing and impactful. And we want people to be able to understand that there's people in the community, there's people around that loves them, that cares for them. And what we want to do is this add value to people. There's a lot of noise out there. Support us, do this, a lot of noise. And we want to add value to people and just really create a buzz What that people are talking positively about our church and what God is doing. And then they're going to listen, they're going to respond, and they're going to come to that. So one of the things, so that's how we do it, and, and that's what's a part of it. And, and, and this ministry that we're going to hear from tonight is, is a ministry that we've had the privilege now locally to partner with for probably close to six years. I think we're in the sixth year of partnering with them. And they're just absolutely wonderful people, and we're just really honored tonight that what we're going to do is I'm going to ask this lovely lady to come up and she's going to sit on the platform with me and we're just going to ask some questions and we're going to just have a chat and then we're going to open up the floor. So if anyone has any questions at the end, please feel free to ask because, again, we've got nothing to hide. We're completely transparent with that. So would you welcome today Miss Jan White as she comes. Come on, let's give it up for Miss Jan as she comes and blesses us tonight. Do you want to come up here with me, Miss Jan? This lady is the real deal. Let me tell you this: this lady is a fireball. She is so committed to what she does, and um, I'm just I'm just excited to be able to have a relationship with her and a friendship with her. And and so, if you just sit down and make yourself at home, I know. Look at those people. There's some scary people out there, isn't it, Miss Jan? And um, you don't see that well. Well, trust me, they're scary people. And um, Just different things. But as I said, Southeast Ministries is a ministry that we've been able to partner with. Someone made me aware of it. And at the time, we were trying to do things on our own. And it just didn't make sense that we could partner with someone else who was already doing the job and doing it a lot more effective than us. And we just felt that it would be of our best interest and the best stewardship with everything that we had to partner. And God brought these people into our lives. I believe that. And we've been so excited to be a part of that. So, Miss Jan, let's just start just to let the people know just about you. Tell us about you a little bit, how you got involved in Southeast Ministry? So, tell us, and how long have you been involved? What's your role? Just tell us a little bit about you.
1: I love to talk about me. Come on. (laughs) I have had two experiences with the Holy Spirit in my lifetime. The first one, was when I accepted Christ at the age of nine in a revival in Pearl River County, Mississippi. I was the only person who accepted Christ or joined the church in that revival. And I was sitting way back with my friends and all of a sudden it felt like I was floating to the front of the audience, tears pouring out of my eyes, and I accepted Christ, and that was in in a September, that's when we always had what we called our big meetings, which was a revival, with dinner on the ground. Then I was baptized in the coldest creek (laughs) in Mississippi, (laughs) and I have been active in the church ever since. The second time was in 2009. I have a, had a neighbor. She died about three months ago, very good friend. She was a member at Broadmoor United Methodist Church, and I, I'm a member at Jefferson Baptist Church. And she invited me month after month after month to go to the senior citizens' luncheon, which they called Holy Chow. So I went, and they, they had wonderful programs, and then I got involved with them on their, with their um, garage sales they had every year and helped with that. And I learned a lot of people up there, and I really liked them. <clears throat> but she talked mostly. She was, she was a volunteer as a receptionist once a week, and she told me all the time about people who came into the office looking for help with food or gas or something, And they sent them over to Southeast Ministries. I had never heard of Southeast Ministries. And so I started asking her questions about it. And she was a person who had been very active in that church for several years. And they had a dinner on a Sunday night honoring her and having a fundraiser for Southeast Ministries, which they call Cash for Cans. She invited my husband and me to go to it. So we did on Sunday night. And while I was sitting there listening to the program and looking around the congregation, I saw my church's pianist sitting there. And we, when we had a little break in the, in the service, I got up and went to her table, and I said, what are you doing here? And she said, I'm the president of the board of Southeast Ministries. She said, what are you doing here? And I told her why I was there. Well, I was accustomed. I had retired from all of my work. I I had worked at three or four places, and my last work was doing some efficiency studies and changing for um, the Roche chemicals in Gramercy. And I had just finished that work, and I told my husband I didn't want any more work. So I started waking up in the morning, getting my coffee, getting back in bed where the television was and watching C-SPAN, Washington Journal. Well, I might confess that I am a political junkie. Uh-huh. So I watched them every morning and called them two or three times and got through to them <laughs> two or three times <laughs> and gave them my opinion. And... Um, <laughs> So that, that was my, what I did, and then I watched the House of Representatives argue and all of that sort of stuff. So that's what I did, and then I got up and cleaned house and everything. The morning after I was at Broadmoor Church for the, for the dinner, I found myself dressed with makeup on, in my car, riding north on Sherwood Forest Boulevard to Baltimore United Methodist Church. Southeast Ministries was, was working inside their church in some of their Sunday school rooms <clears throat> at that time. So my neighbor, I went to the receptionist desk, and she took me over to where they were and introduced me to the administrator. From that point on, I worked all four days every week with, with Southeast Ministries. I worked <clears throat> trying to get trained in all of the jobs so I could figure out which job I was interested in. And uh, that carried that on. The administrator finally had me <laughs> given a name by the board, the assistant to the administrator. And I did just every, every kind of work to made improvements every place I could find them needed. And until she retired in 2010, well, actually, she, re- she left in 2011. And everybody asked me over and over again, are you going to be the new administrator? And I kept telling them, no, I like what I'm doing now. Well, nobody turned up to be the administrator, so I finally caved in. And in August of 2011, on August 1st, I became the administrator and have been there ever since, still making changes. I had a boss once that told me that a lazy mind would go to any extreme to avoid thinking, Uh and that that was the kind of mind I had. But I do think there's always a better way to do things, and that's what I worked at for all these years. And what else did you want to know? That's awesome.
2: (laughs) Let me me ask you this then. you said Southeast Ministries. You just got a new facility a couple of years ago. Tell us about yes, that, where you're located.
1: Yes, we did. We're located at 476 Sharp Road. and We are right beside Broadmoor United Methodist Church's parking lot. <clears throat> the, the house we are in was owned by one of their members. It burned to the ground just about. And he happened to be um, an architect and contractor and he restored the building, and he donated it to Broadmoor United Methodist Church, specifically for Southeast Ministries. And we've been there since October of 2010. It's not big enough for us. We need more room, but we are doing the job that we need to do in that little building. And I want to tell you, we're, we open at 10 in the morning, and we close at 4 in the afternoon on Monday through Thursday. And any of you all who want to come around there and see what we do, you're welcome to come anytime because I'm almost there all the time. Up until my husband got sick in February of this year, I was there every day, four days a week. I set a precedent for the next administrator. Come on. But. Uh, and
2: how did the ministry start? How, what? What the is the background of the, the ministry? The ministry
1: started in... Broadmoor United Methodist Church it was born there a lady in the church started a food service for members of Broadmoor and of course they had outsiders started coming up there and they couldn't turn them away without giving them food finally they started um, decided to have a a food pantry for other people other than the members and when they did um, they they started uh, soliciting other churches and inviting them to become a part of, of Southeast Ministries. And in 2000, they co- uh, uh, decided to incorporate. And they did that, I believe, in April of 2000. And they have had a board, board of directors and everything that a corporation would have since then. And then in October of 2010, we moved into the little house and now we have a total of 21 supporting churches. And I do think you all came in about the time I got up there. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. So, what
2: is the, so talk to us about Southeast Ministry. We've kind of painted a broad picture of it. What is the main objectives from Monday through Thursday, 10 to 4 o'clock? What is the purpose for you existing? What is it that you actually do every day?
1: Well, our main objective is to provide supplemental food and spiritual food to assist residents in Southeast Baton Rouge whose income is at at or below the USDA poverty level. We have to do that because part of our food is USDA food. The purpose for our existing is this, fighting hunger and poverty and feeding hope with spiritual food as an expression of Christ's love. That's our purpose.
2: Isn't that awesome? And so, so how does that happen? If someone comes in, um, just talk through the process of that. How are you providing and the meeting the needs of those who do come to your doors?
1: Well, we serve 10 and a half zip codes in Southeast Baton Rouge. And the, the people who come in who need to become a client? Who need service for for a, a long time, longer time than just once, have to be living in one of those zip codes. These zip codes are are not assigned; they're not exactly assigned by the food bank, but they they that's the ones they expect us to service. And um, <clears throat> when they come in the first time. We give them the full order, which we call SEM order. SEM is our nickname for Southeast Ministries. We give them a full SEM food order, which includes food that the food bank uh, donates to us, and part of that is USDA food, and then food that churches in food drives donate to us, and then... What, what we, uh, The rest that we give, we buy it with money that comes to us from the 21 churches, plus individuals and plus some organizations. And some of the money that we get are grants. <clears throat> if anybody here retired from Ex- ExxonMobil, if you volunteer at Southeast Ministries and work a quarter, we'll get $500 from them if you want to, to uh, apply for it. And We have several people who who do that. And what what else did we want to? I'm
2: just saying. So so, what basically in a in a kind of average food basket, what kind of things are people getting when they come through the doors?
1: Okay. <clears throat> For a long time, we couldn't afford to feed to to put what we call staples. That's flour and sugar and salt and pepper and uh, cooking oil and the the food that you need all the time in a kitchen. We, could, we couldn't afford to do that. <clears throat> so I, I just talked to the board, and they agreed with us that we could do that at least once a quarter. We could get, add that to the order. And in addition to that, it's canned goods, and it all depends on the family size. We have a family size for every size family from one to six and above. And those, they have different, different amounts in them, but basically the same thing. It has veg, cans of veg, mostly canned goods, but cans of vegetables, can, you know, cans of fruit, um, all of that sort of thing. And then we buy eggs and milk and bread. And so it, now, some of this, sometimes the food bank will have that stuff in what they bring us, but it may not be enough in it, it may not be still in date. So we, we buy extra stuff and put in the SEM order. To get the SM, SEM order, the clients have to bring us four documents. They have to bring a picture ID, which we scan and put in a, into the computer. They have to bring social security cards for all members. And we, we record the last six numbers on their Social Security cards. They have to bring proof of where they live. And they have to bring proof of all income. And we have to go by, since we have USDA food, we have to go by the USDA poverty level guidelines. So if a family of one has more income coming in than they allow, we're not able to serve them anybody with income above the limit is not cannot be served except the one time the first time they come in they all of the clients are interviewed interviewers that's one of our positions that we always need more of and they are they are interviewed and the interviewer uh, examines all of their documents every time they come in they have to bring the documents and then she decides if, if they qualify for SEM food. If they don't, for instance, if they only bring in a picture ID and proof of residence, we can give them USDA food, and we include in it some food, food bank food. But the SEM food order has all of the stuff that we purchase plus USDA and food bank food in it. Now, as, as, as I have in here that we give them supplemental food, we don't. We're not able to give them enough food to last them for the whole month or the whole six weeks before they come back. So, some of them uh, think that we should do that, but it just doesn't happen. That's just how we operate, so that we can feed as many, we we want to feed as many people as we can, and the only we can, way we can do that is is what I just described.
2: You know, one of the reasons why we loved Southeast Ministry when we first came in contact with them was because we were running a food bank, and what we found was um, sometimes when you would take food to people's cars to help them when they came, they would open their trunk, and there would be three other boxes where they had been, here, there, and everywhere. And it wasn't obviously that there was a need, but for us, it was just like, you know, you've already got something, you're screaming poverty and have nothing. And that's why we felt that when we were introduced to this, there's a screening process. They have a computer program. They're tagged into other ministries locally and stuff so they can see if people are abusing the systems and what's going on. And we thought, well, that's great because they can obviously do a whole lot better job than us and we can help them and support them to do that. And also, I don't know, I I forgot to ask you this and I'm putting you on the spot with this. You used to have something also for homeless people do you still have a pack? Because obviously homeless people can't cook or whatever like that. Don't you have some kind of capability to service them too and to be able to provide for them?
1: We serve in employed people, unemployed people, homeless people, disabled people, elderly people, 65 and over, and, and um, transcends. That list is... Beyond behind another question that you ask, but I'll give it to you now. Yes, we serve we serve all of those kinds of people, and they all get interviewed, and they are all required, except the homeless. The homeless don't have proof of residence to bring in, and they don't have income to bring in, to tell us about, except a few who get food stamps. So,
2: and and I like what they're saying. Even if people don't qualify, no one leaves empty-handed. That they at least get that first opportunity and that first blessing with this. So how many families and individuals are you helping monthly? What's the stats? Give us some stats so people can can hear because it's great to hear this, but it's really touching when you actually hear how many families that we're partnering to help and to make a difference um, each and every month or really every six weeks they, people are allowed to come back. I,
1: I want to say this about a comment you made. We still see cars who have to move stuff around, uh, groceries around to put our groceries in their cart. We still have that problem. And we also have a problem with people going to two different, usually we know that those people are going to two different agencies. And when they come to us and apply for food, they have to fill out a USDA form that's an application to get food from us. And they have a statement on there that where the people sign that they know that they can only go to one agency. They cannot go to but one agency. And when they do, and we find out that they're doing that, we send a note or I call the food bank and give them the name and tell them what other agency they're going to. And we tell the client one time, you can choose which agency you want to go to. You can come back to us or or you can go to the other agency. When we find out that they're still going to both agencies, we we will not serve them anymore because the food bank tells them that they cannot go to two agencies. They still do it. So anyway, the stats here... um, in 2014, we served a total of 3,490 households, which is an average of 291 per month. And uh, it included 8,328 individuals, which is 694 people a month, <clears throat> an average. And um, of that 83. 8,328, there were 3,420 children in the families. And we had 563 new clients come in. In the first four months of of, uh, 2015, we served a total of 1,136 households, which is 294 per month. And and we served... uh, that included 2,533 individuals, which is 633 per month. So that's, that's how it's broken down. So and think about
2: it, that. Just in partnering with them, that we've been able to serve nearly 300 homes a month out of their ministry. And you've got to understand this. One thing that Miss Jan didn't say is this, that she's there all that time and she's not paid a penny. Every one of these people are 100% volunteers and give all of their time and efforts to serve people in their community with no charge. And you've got to respect that. You've got to totally respect that. These are people who are sold out and just want to make a difference in their communities and just different things. So how does our monthly support, um, so everyone knows, how does our monthly support, when they come to us, actually, they have something where they ask churches to be involved. They ask that they would give a nominal amount for how many members of the church that they perhaps have. And that's something that we've looked at the year, and that's where we started when we first joined with them. But we kind of threw that out of the window a long time ago, and we've given above and beyond what they ask or require of a church to partner. And they're not asking. I mean, if a church says we're only going to give 25, they're not going to say, you can't partner with us. But they're asking as a guideline, and we threw that away because... We've just seen the evidence of these people, the heart. This lady is an incredible lady. I mean, Mm. a committed, dedicated lady. And just to see that and to be a part of that to us has just been an honour that we just threw that out the window and said we want to go above and beyond and we want to do whatever we can to help. So how does our monthly support really enable you to do more in the community and stuff?
1: Well, in addition to food... That, that is needed by the people who come in. Sometimes they have other needs. Sometimes they have prescriptions they need to get filled and they don't have the money to do, to pay the copayment for it. Sometimes their cars are out of gas and they need to go for a job interview or they need to go to a doctor's appointment or pick somebody up from the, from the hospital. Uh, sometimes people are walking, come in walking, and they need bus tickets to, to, be, to be able to, because it's hard for them to carry a food order when they're walking. And uh, we have, we keep Walmart gift cards there for people who need things that we don't have. We try to keep toilet articles and um, detergents and stuff like that. And Walmart, by the way, is where we buy our groceries, almost all of our groceries. And Walmart donates to us boxes and boxes and boxes of toilet articles and toothpaste and toothbrush and shampoo and all of that sort of thing. And when clients ask for that, we're, we have it and we're able to do it. But we would not be able to, have to do what we do by giving gas vouchers. I'll tell you about that, too. <laughs> gas vouchers and shelter vouchers. And Walmart cards and all of the things I've mentioned, we wouldn't be able to do that without you all. You you probably pay for <laughs> a good portion of that with your donation, and and uh, of course we have other uh, costs, the operating costs that we have. We have four four or five computers, printers, and all of that. So we have office pl- supplies that we have to pay for. So we we. We have to have you
2: all. Come on. How we many thinks that you, you can trust your money with someone like this? Huh? <laughs> How many thinks that she's going to take one dollar and make it into five? Come on, I've got confidence with that and other ways. So what other ways can we partner with you? Obviously, as a church, we've made a commitment um, through December of this year, and I know um, you'll be coming back to see me again. They come and visit me every year, and we sign a covenant with them and a commitment to them, and they're going to be seeing me again. and. And and as of now, we're making every effort and we we want to keep supporting you all because we really believe in what you're doing. But what other ways can people support? What are the needs? How can they help? Just different things like that.
1: Well, one of the things that a lot of the churches do is they have food drives periodically. Um, Our church has a food drive every fifth Sunday, and other churches have it at another, they have another uh, way of deciding when they have it. And they just collect food from the congregation and bring it, bring it up to us. Um, another thing that they do, a lot of people donate memorial funding for us, for people who have passed away. Some of them do- donate um, congratulation <laughs> uh, funds for people and then I told you about the Exxon people. We get grant money from them, uh, not, not on a regular basis, but periodically. And uh, so the churches can, all of the churches can have the, fund, uh, the food drives. Uh, some of the Sunday school classes in the churches give their own money in addition to what the church gives to us. And then the other important way you can help us is to send us some volunteers right now we need a data entry clerk and we need i think a receptionist for the third quarter we're trying to get the third quarter set up and i I just happen to have some of the sign up forms with me
2: (laughs) i knew she'd be prepared
1: and i'll leave them with the reverend and uh if you want to, and and you really need to come in and talk to me if you want to, to help us out we also need some assemblers in the pantry who put the food orders together and a lot of retired couples work together at that job now the receptionist and the data entry person has has to be has to use a computer they don't have to be experts with it but they have to be able to use it a little bit and some of them use it like this that's like me and by the way, we need some younger volunteers. And when I say younger, I mean younger than 70. We have, we have volunteers who are in their 90s. And we would not get rid of them for anything. And we have administrators who are almost 80. <laughs> so we do need some younger people working. But we know that young people, really young people, are having to earn a living and can't do that but retired people can and so we would love to have some of you do that and we're so thankful that we have your board members
2: yeah we have board members members from our church who are Mm -hmm. on the board that's one of the things they say mr dan Mm
1: -hmm. is
2: one of the board members
1: and they help and vote and they vote on all the decisions that are made that all the decisions major decisions have to be voted on by the board and uh, we'll be meeting monday night Come and on. pastors
2: can come too. Pastors, <laughs> pastors send people. And um, but isn't this a wonderful lady? Um, she just really is a sweetheart. From the very first time I met them, it, there's just something about people that you just connect. And I just thought, what a worthy cause to help feeding people in this area and just to make a difference in, in our city and just everything like that and how we can partner and do that. Is there anything else that you would just like to say to them and just anything that's on your heart that you would just like to share with well, them, Ms. Jan? Uh,
1: yeah, I would. Uh, I, I want to tell you, I told you that we, were, we incorporated in 2000, and we're a 501c3 charitable corporation, And we're volunteer-based, as we've told you, with no paid employees. We have one person who's paid, and he's the janitor. And in addition to that, we are an exceptional group of people working together, devoted and dedicated to do what Jesus wants us to do, and that's help the needy. Now, I have a little motto about that. We help the needy, and we weed out the greedy. And we do that with all of those documents they have to bring to us. That tells us a lot about them. We are devoted and dedicated to work as the hands and feet of Christ by fulfilling his expectation that we, his children, are showing his love to those who come to us indeed. We work within an atmosphere of sweet, sweet spirit. We're like a family. Yeah. The volunteers are like a family. We have fun. It's not boring at all. (laughs) In other words, Southeast Ministries is incredible and awesome, and people are amazed at how long we've been in business and are still going at it just the same. We have a prayer chain, we set that up when I became the administrator. Any of our people who have illness in their family or who are ill themselves or have people who die or some of our volunteers have died in the last three years, we send out a message to all those who sign up to volunteer because they put, sign up if they want their name to be in the prayer chain. And so when we send out a notice about someone being sick or having died or what, what things tragic things that might have happened, we send them out to everybody that signed to be in the prayer chain and ask you to pray tell you what what is wrong what has happened and I'd like to ask you all to pray for our treasurer Kathy Butler she's in my it goes to my church and she's been the treasurer for going on a year now <clears throat> she has been ill since January With shortness of breath and weakness, and they cannot find what the problem is. I talked to her yesterday, I called her, and she was in the emergency room with her brother, younger brother, John, who is on dialysis and is ill too. So if y'all could pray for John, I don't know his last name, and Kathy Butler, we would really appreciate it because she is one valuable member. She's one of my assistants. And I have three other, two other assistants that help me with computer work and, and stuff like that. And they're all so dedicated and so good to me. So i pray and thank God for them.
2: Dedicated and devoted, I think, is such an understatement when you really go and you just witness what these people do. And I really encourage you just to go, if you can, and just see them let them know you're from our church and they'll show you through, but they really will. And I just appreciate that. Let's just pray for them. Can we just do that right now? We're going to just I pray. say one more yes, thing? Yes, of course you can. Of course you can.
1: We also help church members of our partner churches, even if they don't live in our zip code.
2: Thank you for sharing that. That's, Sorry. That's
1: the that's one thing. If there are needy people here who needs, need some assistance, they, they can come to us. And I just gave the pastor, uh, the blue cards that they need to send with them when they send them to us so that we will know that they're church members. We'll help them if they're not church members, but we can only do that one time if they're out of zip codes. But the church members don't have to live in the zip codes.
2: That's awesome. So be reminded of that. If there are people, turn them into the office and we can give them the cards and they can do that. Mm -hmm. Mr. Dan? Peanut butter and jelly. Peanut butter and jelly.
1: Peanut butter and jelly. We yeah. did a
2: food drive. We did a peanut butter and jelly drive last mm-hmm. summer for that and and I like that. We're gonna start um, on the 5th Sunday so write this down and remind me um, we're going to do this we're going to do on the 5th Sunday so we're going to have family days we're going to have bring a can day too when you start to when have your food drive if that. you'll
1: give me a call I can tell you what we're short on
2: cool we'll do that so. we'll do it. let's pray for them can we do that and just ask God's blessing and for Kathy and John that God would undertake Lord Jesus we just thank you for Miss Jan we thank you for Southeast Ministries we thank you for the lives that they're touching and the 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 hope that they're given into people's lives that may feel hopeless and and, and feel forsaken and no one cares. And God, we just thank you that, God, we can rest and trust and know that our support is going into people who truly are dedicated, devoted, and truly care. And God, they are meeting needs. They're doing whatever they can to make a difference in people's lives. And God, I just pray for Miss Jan that you would give her wisdom and guidance as she leads this ministry. You'd give her strength, God, that you would undertake for her and and Kathy, her assistant, who has shortness of breath. God, we just pray that you would just touch her and her brother, John, that you would just meet their every need. God, we thank you that, God, you hear our cry and you meet those needs. And we just thank you for that. We praise you for that. In Jesus' name. Amen. Would you give it up, please, for Miss Jan and just thank her for being with us tonight. sweetheart. You are awesome. You are awesome. I just want to share um, just a couple of things just as we close out tonight. And And it's exciting for me to introduce these people to you because they really are truly the real deal. You see that. And Miss Jan is going to be available if you have any questions. They've got some flyers that are available on the table that they would love everyone just to grab one. And there's more information in there and that. But it's awesome, isn't it, to know what we support? It's it's awesome to know that the money that we send is going to touch and feed less fortunate people in this situation in our community and make a difference. Here's what I want you to know today. You ready? Your life can make a difference. Come on, your life can make a difference. It's not like it's motivational speech. I'm telling you, your life can make a difference. And one of the most powerful ways we can make a difference is through giving, through being able to bless and being able to hand over. I just want to read a quick scripture to you tonight. It comes from Philippians chapter one, verse 20 through 24. And it's from the New Living Translation. And it may appear strange at first, but just stay with me. And I believe it's going to make sense for you. Okay. Philippians one, beginning with verse 20, it says this, for I, Paul, he's talking, fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed. In other words, what he's saying is, I hope that I will never represent God in a bad way, but I will always represent him, not being ashamed, but just being out there and just sharing the goodness of God in the lives of others. And he says that I will continue to be bold. Come on, say with me, live bold. He wants not to be ashamed. He wants to live bold for Christ as I have been in the past. In other words, I don't want it just to be something in the past. I want what I'm doing to be future and ongoing. I want it to be productive in my life, not meaning I've had my day. But I want to live in the day and keep living in the moment. And he says, and I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die. What is he saying there? And I know I want to preach this and I can't tonight. But what he's saying is this, whether I live or die, what I stand for should keep on living. Why? Because I've lived a life by example. And the example that I've shared with other people, other people are now living that life. And isn't that how we should live by example, that whether we're here or not, that other people know and they can follow and they can live on for that? Verse 21, he says, for me, living means for Christ and dying is even better. He's saying, being with him in heaven is even better. He says, but if I live... Whether I'm going to be here on Earth in Baton Rouge, Hartsie's Van, wherever I'm at, come on, he says, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know what's better. Paul's kind of torn because he says, if I go to heaven to be with God, that's probably better because I'm not going to have to suffer and I'm not going to have any struggles anymore. But he says, because but I'm really kind of torn. But if because if I stay here, I can be fruitful, and I can touch other people. So he says in verse 23, I'm torn between two desires. Yes, I long to be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, this is what jumped out at me today. But for your sakes, think about this. Oh, we could be in heaven right now. But think about this. God has placed us here for a purpose, for the sake of other people. But for your sake, Paul is right to every one of us. What about our lives that we can look at people around and say, for your sake, God put me in your world. That I'm here to serve a purpose. I'm here to make a difference. And that's what missions is. Come on, that others can be reached, that others can be impacted, that we can add value to their lives. He says, but for your sake or for the sake of others, it is better that I continue to live. Think about what he's saying again. Oh, I could be in heaven, no more problems, and I could be having a great time, and that's where we all want to be one day. But he says, you know what? God, you've called me to be fruitful on this earth. And the life that I want to live, I want other people to benefit and say thank you for living. For the sake of others, I want to impact other people's lives. So you and I, our lives here on this earth, they're not just for us. They're not just to make it to heaven. That's our goal and that's what we need to. And if you don't know Jesus, and we're going to pray with you in a few minutes because we want everyone to have that opportunity and know Jesus. But what did he say? it's a lot bigger than just me. Come on, it's a lot bigger. There's a purpose that's greater than just me. It's also to reach and impact other people, both with our testimony and our witness, but also through us giving and being able to partner with ministries such as this and being involved in missions. And that's how we can empower and we can equip those who have been called. There's no doubt that this is a called ministry and these people are dedicated to what they do but they couldn't do it if we don't equip them, if we don't help them and we don't empower them. And they're in a different world to us. They're impacting people that we maybe never know and we'll never see, but we know that they are touching. Out of that 294 families, I probably don't know one of them. You probably don't know one of them. But does that matter if we're touching a soul and we're making a difference in someone's life? Because at the end of the day, it's not about whether they know us. It's about whether they know him. And they have an opportunity to hear from God. And through our giving, we can feed people as we've heard tonight. Next week, we're going to hear about how we can save babies. And how we've been able to save so many babies from abortion. And just the stats that you're going to see with all that. How each week and with Kristen and just different other ministries, we're saving families and homes. Because why? We can make a difference. You and I can make a difference. Because when we do unto the least, Pete stole my scripture tonight. Look what it says in Matthew twenty-five forty. Jesus says these words, But I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it as unto me. Wow. You did it as unto me. Touching the heart of God. So here's what we're asking over this month. You should have just been given, as we were speaking tonight, a pledge card. And here's what we really want you to do. If you feel led to fill that out tonight, that's great. But here's what we don't want to do. We don't want it to be an emotional decision. So when you hear things like this, you're like, man, I want to go and I want to volunteer 20 hours a week. And I want to do that. That's great. But we need people who are committed to what they say. And we really want you with your spouse, with your family, just to really pray over it and just ask God, what can I do to make a difference? Anyone seen those commercials on TV when they're trying to get homes for puppies and they're showing you those dogs? Come on, everyone wants to take 10 dogs into your house. How many knows that when you've thought about it, 10 dogs in your house is probably not a good thing? And that's an emotional decision. And we don't believe in manipulating and using something like this to say, okay, now you can give but we just want to show you and make you aware. We never apologize to people by showing a need and asking people to respond. We never beg for money, we never ask for money, but we show a need and we believe it's right to ask people to respond. And we really want you to pray above and beyond your regular tithe, what you give to this church. We want you to really pray and say, I want to make a commitment and we're asking for a year till next May and if you can't do that, that's fine. But we're really asking that you would ask to God, what can I do above and beyond? There's some suggested amounts there. There's others. Even if it's $2, dollars one dollar, fifty cents, whatever you can do, we would love to see people to make that commitment and fill that out. And then just every month that you keep being faithful, just every time the new month comes around, on your offering envelope, you mark out that missions and you keep making that pledge. And here's one thing that we've always made a commitment to is this. When you first make that pledge, we're going to send you out a letter thanking you for that. And then you're never going to hear from us for the rest of the year. Because we're not going to plead with you every month to fulfill your vow and your pledge that you've made. That's between you and God. But what we're asking is if you make that pledge, that you make that good each and every month. We're not going to look at you. We're not going to judge you. We're just saying, hey, if you've made that commitment, then you hold true to that and you be faithful to that. So please, we just really want you to pray and And ask God, because missions like this are very important. And remember, it's the heart of God. And we want to make a difference. Would you just stand to your feet with us today? And We just want to close and we just want to pray tonight that God would just undertake. And As you can see, there's a little tear-off piece. You can just tear that off and you don't even have to fill in the visa or anything like that. You can just say, I want to pledge this much a month. And if you want to give for the first month, that's fine. You don't have to give now, but you can start giving that sometime through this month. But, you know, we just want to see, and I'd love to be able to come at the end of the month and say, you know what, praise God, we had this much that's been pledged to missions. Because we make a commitment as a church, whether we get that money pledged to us or not. But I would love to turn around and tell Miss Jan, you know what, we had such an overwhelming support of money that came in that said, We want to support missions. We're able to double the gift that we were giving you last year. We're able to give so much more. And isn't that great that we'll be able to do something like that? And again, just really pray about it and and take the whole month to look at every mission that we support and just to gather all the information because we want you to be educated and knowing the people that we're supporting and helping. Amen. Would you just bow your heads right now and realize that your life can make a difference. Come in, your life is making a difference. Being a part of a church, we're making a difference. And we're seeing things happen in people's lives and touching people that we maybe will never see here on earth. But I'm telling you, one day in heaven we're going to see. And the thanks that they're going to give to us on that day, come on, it's going to be worth it all. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you tonight for the privilege that we have. God, just speak to hearts. God, we're not manipulating. We're not pushing. This is not a sales pitch, God, because that's not our heart. We're just making people aware of a need. And we're saying, would you help us facilitate that? And God, I pray that you would speak to people's hearts of what they can do. Maybe for some people they could say, you know what? I could do without Starbucks every other day. And I could take that money and easily give $20 a month just without a Starbucks every other day. That God, I can maybe make a sacrifice so I can help Feed a family. I can help save a life. I can help make a difference. And God, we can have an equal sacrifice and we can give to you. And God, just really speak to our hearts and bless us as we've already prayed for Southeast Ministry. We thank you that we have the privilege to partner with them and other ministries and what you've blessed us to do. And God, we just really believe that you'll enable us to do so much more in the future.
0: Remember, put God first in your life, and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.